Today's topic is entrepreneurship, and we're going to be talking about what inspires you. And we're also going to be talking about the entrepreneurial journey. Um, I got to be real with everybody. And, and I was telling everyone that um, I think that there's been a lot of uh, discussion of from, from friends in particular asking, well, how, how exactly did you do it? Um, what exactly happened? What was the moment where you actually knew and you were inspired enough to say, all right, I'm going to I'm going to take the dive. I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump. I'm going to go after my dreams. We're going to start chasing dreams, going big. Where did you get the wherewithal? Did you save your money the entire time? Did you did you like build up some sort of nest egg so that you can actually go after that dream? Did you get some money from your parents? How did you do it? How did you do it? <laughs> the reality, guys, is that uh, I just dove, dove head in first, uh, no safety net, dove straight in first, no safety net. But I got to be honest, um, the idea began uh, for, for my own entrepreneurial journey, uh, I want to say probably around 2006. Around 2006, 2005, I was already beginning to, to think about it. Heck, I mean, I could even go back to 2004 and say the first I underlining ideas for what I was going to begin to do began to develop then. And it wasn't until probably a, a few years later, around 2006, that I was like, okay, well, I'm going to I'm going to at least try to try to uh, get my organization off the ground. And, and I filed the paperwork. I still have the filings. They're the filings that keep my organization running to this very day. Um, and um, <laughs> those were filed in 2006, guys. Now, the real operations of my organization did not begin until 2013-ish, thereabout. And um, the, the reality is, is that fear and overthinking it kind of gotten away. Um, I started thinking about the amazing job I had and uh, what if I lose this amazing job? And I started thinking about the amazing friendships I had. Many of you know me from my previous position, uh, which was seven years ago, uh, to be clear, but more than that, it was like ten, over 10 years ago because it was seven years ago that I started this organization and uh, I had already left my pretty posh position like um, I would say a, a little bit before then. So I, and by posh, I mean, I was always traveling. I was always meeting great friends and keeping up great, amazing relationships with people around the world. And I loved that. And it was hard for me to let that go. It wasn't like I was making mad dollars because I wasn't. Uh, it was a nonprofit I was working for, but it was an amazing mission. And I, I was I was inspired by it. Right. And that's that. I think that's enough to make anybody think twice. That's enough to make anybody think, all right, well, uh, I don't know if <laughs> If, if I'm actually gonna 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 do this uh, I have this amazing job I don't want to leave and so that became kind of a story that took place over six years mind you I founded the organizational paperwork in 2006 I never actually did anything beyond thinking about it till about 2013 so that was six years of overthinking things Six years of just thinking I wasn't ready yet. Six years of just thinking I don't have enough money. Six years of figuring, well, well, well wait, wait, wait. I, 
the, this, the system's kind of not rigged in my favor. It's, it's rigged against me, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm Latino to, to, be, to begin with. I'm a first-generation American citizen uh, from, from parents who came to the United States uh, looking for that American dream. And so for me, it was like a total, you know, just... <laughs> it was just a, a, an entire process psychologically of... Was I ready? Was I not? But I now look back on that and I say, you know what? Those were those were fears. Those were like deep fears, um, deep fears that I had like back in the day, back in the day when like I was still I mean, I'm talking 2006. I filed this paperwork. The initial ideas of the organization I now lead began in like 2004, 2005. I finally filed in 2006 and don't actually begin to work on it until way after 2013, six years later. And in those six years, I, I mustered up the courage to leave my uh, uh, position that had uh, allowed me the opportunity to make amazing friendships around the world, uh, to really learn what it was like to uh, build on, on social and intellectual capital and uh, just kind of went out on my own and began chasing dreams. And, and that, was, that was what got me going. That's what, we, that's what got me started. And so that's how, the, that's how the story begins. The story begins with just a ton of fear and a ton of hemming and hawing and a ton of, I don't know what exactly it is that I'm doing, but I have these ideas. I have these, I have this little voice inside of me that is telling me, hey, I should, you know, go after this. I should look for this and, and, and I should try to be out on my own. I should try to be whatever it is that lives inside of me. And at the time, I really, really couldn't figure it out. At the very same time, um, around around this around this time of my life, I started kind of uh, going deep into thoughts about my grandfather, and I, I want to be I want to be real open with people. I mean, I, I and some of you have followed the sporadic vlogs I put out, and I say sporadic because I wish I could do it more, but I, I, I obsess so much about the editing on a vlog. <laughs> That, that, that sometimes it kind of hampers my, my creativity in, in just getting the vlog out there. Which is why I like these conversations a lot more than the vlog sometimes because I feel like I could be a lot more open, a lot real on real time than having to really obsess about the little details. But anyways, I have this vlog about my grandfather and so, so some of you that have watched it may actually uh, remember or, or, or know a little bit about this story. But that story is one where my grandfather has no more than a sixth grade education and and he's from a small town of i'm talking thousands literally just uh, not in the double digits but like maybe single digits at that time thousands of people in that in that pueblito and it's known as sabinas coahuila in mexico and uh, this guy you know with his brother began to kind of make moves and start kind of climbing and uh sixth grade in, uh, from the sixth grade he decides to actually go out and uh you know start hustling at the sixth grade okay he's a sixth grader just remember a little bit about where you were in the sixth grade i mean in the sixth grade uh you were like a pretty young kid i don't know if you'd be willing to go travel an entire country when you were in the sixth grade well my grandfather did that 
And I don't know how he did that, but he did that with his brother. And his brother wasn't that much older. He was older by, I think, a, a couple years. And uh, they go off. They go off and they start hustling all over Mexico. And really just going into this, this, this deep dive in sales. And they just start selling products door to door with their little suitcase. Picture like back in the day, like, you know, these uh, like... 40s, 50s, uh, more like the 40s, the, the you know, 40s somewhere around there, like people going around with a suit, knocking on doors, and this is a little kid. He eventually gathers enough money to buy his first tire shop. And he buys a tire shop, he sets up a tire shop in his home, in, in this little pueblito, in his hometown. And that, that tire shop begins to be like the buzz of the town and like you know it's like going around the uh the the cooler the water cooler at work it was where he got all the cheese it was where he got all the information and uh you know he was wheeling and dealing there and most business people in this small town knew about him and knew of him and kind of they did business deals together and all this and that and uh his brother at the time was also a business partner and they were close to monterrey mexico so you know they they were a small town but they got kind of these moves that they could make. But then there was a falling out between his brother and my grandfather. And uh, that falling out leads my grandfather to essentially say, you know what? I'm closing up shop in Sabinas, Coahuila, and I'm going uh, to take my friend up on this business deal that, I, that he's proposed for me. And this business deal that he had proposed for him was something new. It's called radio. And nobody really knew if radio was gonna be successful or anything like that, but um, this was an opportunity because people knew he was good at business to go to the north, northern Mexico, to the borderland area, and to begin to set up the northern Mexico radio networks. And his friends come up and say, hey, Pepe, you know, this is this is what's up. And uh, my grandfather took him up on that. Took his entire family, a family of, uh, of five. My mom, my uncle, my aunt, my abuelita, and my abuelo. And they decide to just get in a car and drive to Ciudad Juarez, Mexico, knowing no one. They know no one. And they decide to take some risk and go after this thing called radio. Who knows if it's gonna work out, but hey, it's an opportunity. Well, that led this sixth grade education guy to pretty much start his first publicity agency. I mean, now it's known as PR, but back then it was publicity only because it's one-way directional communication. And, he had helped set up all the radio networks, so he knew everybody at the radio networks, and so now he had his own agency. And you end up getting a story where my grandfather, we have pictures of my grandfather with like the governor of Texas, like breaking ground on Texas Railroad. Like This was a Mexicano that was on the border doing publicity on both sides, guys. And so, Right around the time that I'm telling you about where I'm hemming and hawing about my own uh, thoughts, my own dreams, and, and where I want to go with my own life, 
like I end up I, I, I end up thinking a lot about my grandfather. He passed away when I was 18. I was the eldest grandson. Um, and so uh, for me, he holds a very near and dear spot in my heart. And it's kind of been a North Star, but one of those North Stars you can never really talk to because I wish I could ask for his advice, right? I wish I could say, hey, so when, when you were really seeing it really tough or when you had a falling out with your own brother, how did you deal with it? What did you do? And of course I can talk to my grandma because Abuelita, thank God, is still with us today, but he's not around. And so the, the course for someone who wants to do something on their own that's brand new is, is difficult. It's a lot of fear. It's a lot of rugged terrain. It's a lot of not knowing where you're gonna go. And so we're seeing a few people uh, come up on Clubhouse and I'm gonna, I'm gonna introduce a few guests here in a second. But what I wanna really get to guys is that I'm still figuring it out. And to be very honest, I'm still figuring it out. Seven years later after beginning real work on an international organization that reached over seven that took over seven years to build i've been building at this for seven years next global organization it's not over it's very difficult but what inspires me is looking back a little bit looking at my grandfather's story what inspires me and keeps me going is new ideas collaborating with people like you what inspires me and keeps me going is 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 looking around and saying all right i need to listen to this inner voice and just keep going in the direction of this north star somehow some way figure that out and so that's where i'm at right now and it's kind of like my story thus far i i'd love to continue telling you the story as as we go I wanna welcome uh Geldin mojica who has been a regular with our nightcap discussions and i also want to welcome uh a good friend of mine daniel uh, to the to the conversation and and just really have an open conversation uh, because being an entrepreneur is kind of it's kind of rough terrain and so it's important to to discuss uh, hopes and dreams and 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 discuss the big points that inspire and can serve as your north star and to share our journeys. So, uh, Joe, welcome to the uh, to the conversation this evening. It's good to have you on. Uh, for another night of just deep diving on issues that we care about. You and I have known each other for years, man, and I know you've had ideas bouncing in your head since like your teen years about all sorts of projects. Share with us a little bit about those ideas, where you are now, what maybe stopped you from going down the road with some of those ideas. Why don't you uh, share with us a little bit about where, where you are? Dude, me and you have had this conversation many a times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the, the first big idea I had was, um, I think I wanted to run my own like school. And it was funny because I know that, you know, some of the people that, that are mutual friends of ours tried this. And I think I realized that I was a non-traditional student and that was never gonna work. So I had to move on to the next idea. Um, but I mean, you know me, like a lot of a lot of of the things that I've wanted to do has always been just me not wanting to 
really settle for normality in my life. Like I love just the thought of being in business for myself and, you know, generating my own revenue and it being directly tied to how hard I work. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just like you, I've been always trying to figure, figure out how I'm going to get this business up and running, um, how much time I can dedicate to it. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, we still have bills to pay. Um, so I always find myself working a full-time job and then trying to accomplish something else on the side. Um, but my latest business endeavor, which is, uh, my uh, my new brand, uh, POGs Empanadas in Latin Kitchen, um, which I'm dedicating a lot of my time to, um, is really where I want to go. Um, I mean, I just, I love spending time in the kitchen. And I love putting out dishes that, you know, just really bring smiles to people's faces. Nice. Um, but a lot of people don't realize that like this, this project for me is, so much more than what the surface is. It's not just about feeding people. It's not just about making money, um, but it's something that I want to tie into the community. Um, so when I can officially, you know, buy my food truck or, you know, uh, uh, my standalone restaurants, um, I end up going in depending on, on, you know, my financial position. Um, there's one day a week where the whole point of my business is just to go out into the community and feed the feed the homeless. Yeah. Um, you know, growing up in, in South Jersey and just, you know, seeing the level of, of people that really don't know where their next meal is going to come from, uh, moving down to Maryland and living in Baltimore County and just, you know, being able to take a drive and always seeing people that just don't know where they're going to spend their next night is really rough. Um, so, you know, it's my soft spot and I like bringing happiness through food. So whenever I can feed someone that doesn't know when their next meal is coming, um, it just, it brings, you know, joy to my heart and it puts a smile on their face. So I mean, that's the business venture right now. It's a, it's a, you have a, you have an interesting, an interesting story, Jell, and I'm 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 wondering. I mean, you you and I have been friends for years. Uh, I wonder if you if you'd be willing to just kind of share what has stopped you uh, in those journeys. I mean, you mentioned right now just in passing, very quickly, very briefly. You're like one of my first dreams was to run my own school, and then I realized I'm a non-traditional student. And, and when you mentioned that, man, it's like. It's like there, there was there was a lot of thought process that you just said a mouthful with just like, you know, a couple words. I I wonder if you'd be willing to, to open up and kind of share what was it that stopped you in pursuing the very many endeavors you had before? Because, I mean, you've had endeavors that have been like that have run the gamut, but all in the world of creativity. You've been kind of in the educational creativity, music creativity kind of uh now you're in food creativity all spanning creativity but what has been that obstacle good I, I wonder if you'd be willing to open up on what that what that process has been for you and and what that what, what those heavy moments turn out to be like which cause one to say you know what i'm gonna put this off for a little bit more yeah so for me um you know 
I graduated high school. I graduated, I think it was like the top 10% of my class. But, you know, looking back at my high school days, I really didn't do anything. Um, and I think that was just the area that I grew up in. It was, it was very easy to kind of slide by. Yeah. And I went to college and quickly noticed that it just wasn't for me. So I tried to stick it out as long as I could. Um, I got you know involved with some of the wrong groups in school and it was just really frustrating just to see the, the difference in education between areas and you know how people adapt to it and, and what they do. And I also learned that the classroom setting wasn't for me. Um, I learned from being very hands-on and, and through experience. Yeah. So, you know, I've always been one to really master whatever job that I have and really look for the next step that I need to take to, you know, master something differently. Um, but, you know, and it's getting to that point where it's like, all right, cool. Well, maybe I need some education to just go a little bit further and establish some credibility. So, like, I'm taking classes slowly now. Um, but you know, it's not one of those things where like, I'm a full-time student, like I'll finish my degree when I finish it. And if it takes me 10 years, then that's what it's going to take me. Do you, th um, do you perceive, do you, do you ever find yourself perceiving, uh, intellectual capital or, or social capital, or maybe even financial capital as like the main obstacles as to why you don't, why, why you didn't choose to run with it then, or why you, uh, why right now as you, as you kind of consider your capital that you do have the reserved capital that you have uh you know consider how you kind of gauge how you consider moving forward with your current project right now in terms of your kitchen and 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 doing this whole dream you have with food and the like yeah so i think for me right now um, the project that i have going on is less about the the capital that's available yeah because there's ways around it you know um for me it's just making sure that i have my established uh llc so that nothing can come around and bite me in the ass and i can't be held you know personally responsible is just on the business yeah um but you know also making sure that you know i'm cooking food i'm i'm placing orders together that i have my commissary kitchen that things aren't coming out of you know my kitchen where the government can come back and be like this is a regulation and you know all this other stuff right um so a commissary kitchen in this area not super expensive so you know i'm able to put in the work and i also get to uh just cook alongside of you know people that are doing similar things to me and, and people that are running their own you know food trucks that are coming in and we're tasting each other's food and just you know really vibing off of each other yeah um so I think for me right now, it's the perfect balance of, you know, just all aspects. So the social, the economic, um, and just, you know, being able to use my personality with people. Yeah. Um, where some of the other projects that I have, like, heavily relied on, you know, the, the, the education portion of it. Or, you know, just money that I didn't have at the time. And money that I wasn't aware that I could have obtained by other means, um, yeah. you know. No doubt. Working with with the SBA is not something that you're taught in school at any point. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, and knowing that there's, and finding out that there's money available for, for small startups, um, it's something that a lot of people don't know and they're unaware of. You know, no doubt, no doubt you raise a ton of things that just make me remember my own entrepreneurial journey and, and, and the whole struggle. And I just see that Daniel and Oscar have joined us on Clubhouse and I want to welcome them in a second. But thanks for, for being a part of the discussion. Would definitely love to know your guys' story and, and go in depth with both of you as well. But in my own story, Joe, as you share this these moments that you're going through right now, which it seems like you're in your initial phases, this, this was exactly what I was talking about when, when I began the story of back in 2006, right? Six. In 2006, I filed incorporation paperwork. In 2006, I already had formulated ideas that were strong enough to do everything that you're discussing in terms of the LLC. But but check this out. It goes from 2006 all the way until 2013 that operations don't begin. And they don't begin because of the exact same discussion that you're having internally in your own mind. The whole question of, am I prepared enough? The answer is yes. Uh, but it's like society almost conditions us to think, well, well, no, you're really not. I mean, you've never really been an entrepreneur. You've never really done these things, but here you are saying that you are. And so you have to, you, you, it's almost like you're battling yourself in this internal dialogue that's going on about being an entrepreneur. And it's like, Jeez, like it, it begins to get heavy and then you start thinking, well, I don't really know how to navigate the SBA. Well, I don't really know how to do this. Well, I don't really know how to do that. And then the I don't really knows begin to get really, really loud, really, really loud. And then once you and they get really scary, <laughs> they get scary enough to freeze you from and paralyze you from getting into it. Right. To, from getting involved like right away. And you're like, well, you know, maybe next year. I'm going to start working on that and then I'll get to it next year and I'll get to it next year. And and before you know it, all these days have gone by. And then when you've bettered all those things just with time and days, you start realizing that there's more obstacles, right? You start you start going, well, I don't even have enough money. Like if I if I leave right now, how am I even going to pay my rent? How am I even going to pay my 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 gas bill, my my water bill? That, how can I even hire someone if I don't even all those questions, bro? Oh my gosh, I went through it. I went through it and all I have to say is if you don't do it, if you don't take the dive, you never learn. If you if you if you if you if you if you split your way and I'm not saying that you're doing this right now, Jal, I'm just saying this for the audience. It's like if you if you if you split your your attention saying, "Well, okay, well, I, I'm going to dab on this as a hobby and then and then I'll try to, and once it, once it gets strong enough, then I'll take the dive. It's like, I think that that prevents you from learning the lessons and, and, and building the armor after all of those scars that are so deep, uh, you know, to, to keep moving forward. And so with that, I want to, uh, to, to, to just in sharing that experience, I, I want to introduce to everybody, uh, Daniel, who is a good friend of mine that's just joined us on Clubhouse as well. If you want to be a part of this discussion on Clubhouse, uh, please come on. I now see Oscar is now on Instagram joining us there. And so Oscar, I'd love to have you just come back, man. And, uh, we'll, we'll add you, but, but Daniel, does this resonate with you? I mean, I know your story, but the audience doesn't, does this resonate with you a little bit? 
Dan, are you there? I don't know if Dan's there. You know, you know what's funny? I keep hitting the, the little microphone on my photo to <laughs> unmute uh. myself. Apparently, I'm apparently I'm technologically challenged today. Nah, it's all good. We're all learning Clubhouse, man. We're all we're all new here. We all have the little the little new banner with us. But uh, does this resonate with you, buddy? I mean, I know your story, but the audience doesn't. Yeah, you know a little bit, it, but there's a. a <laughs> and here's the thing: the the man is not well respected anymore. But there's a Bikram quote: "Start where you are, and do what you can, and do a little bit better every day." Yeah. And I think that that's the story of entrepreneurship. You know, it's. I, listen, if you mix up a gallon of lemonade, make some ice walk out to your front porch and you sell glasses of lemonade to people walking by congratulations that is entrepreneurship 101 find a product and sell it and make a profit and it's not just for little white kids you know what i mean like right. for the rest of us we're trained we're trained that you want the dependability of a job you want the dependability of a contract you want the social equity that comes with a degree well great but what then? A degree has only guaranteed me debt, which thank God I was able to pay, but a degree for most people only guarantees you debt. An SBA loan is fantastic, but I think what, I, there's, there's an article I was reading about Latino entrepreneurs, about how we tend to be bootstrappers more than almost any other group in the United States, where we literally will start where we're at find a credit card, max it out, buy the materials and start and just kind of learn as we go. It's almost like you're building the airplane as you're flying. Yeah. And uh, it's probably the best teacher. But yeah, it does. It resonates with me because taking that first step, that's some scary stuff, man. Yeah. Like that's, it, it, it's, it can be terrifying. It, and not, not it can only, also be empowering. Yeah. And not only, not only, not only terrifying, but I think, I think that it it, para, it ultimately that that terror paralyzes, and I think that that you and I, and for those that don't know, Daniel and I have been friends for years upon years, just like Jell and I have been friends for years upon years. And 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 the, one of the favorite things I like to do with with you, Dan, is have this conversation. You're absolutely right. Latinos love to bootstrap, and uh, the, the reason that we bootstrap a lot is, uh, well, first of all, it's in our DNA. I mean, uh, I think we have all had members of our family that have been you know the 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 person that you know was working in the kitchen or that they you know had their their little side hustle of burritos or their side hustle for being an electrician or their side hustle this side hustle that and uh it's in our dna but but i also think this whole question of of seeking funds and oh my god how am i going to fund my project and this whole vc culture that's kind of taken over I think it all becomes paralyzing to people uh, as 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 you read more and more into it, and there comes a point where you just say, you know what, I'm just gonna do it myself, and then just if I can do it myself and and prove it and and have like, you know, you and I talk a lot about this as like a minimal viable uh, the minimum viable product, then then at that point I'll take the dive even deeper. But until then, then uh, I'm gonna bootstrap it from this point forward. What has been kind of like your story, uh, uh, Dan? I'm, I wonder if you'd be willing to to share with us bits and pieces of your story in, in your entrepreneurial journey because you've had multiple entrepreneurial endeavors and they all have you know that that story that that we're discussing here sure um 
The first business I ever opened in New York City was, well, technically it was a street ticket selling operation by virtue of necessity. I came to work one day for the street ticketing company that I was working for. It was my first job in New York City with a degree, standing on a street corner selling comedy tickets because I needed to pay my way to be here. Yeah. And um, I came to work one day and everybody had gone on strike. It was the middle of winter. Come to find out years later, they go on strike every winter because nobody wants to work in the cold. (laughs) But I came to work and everybody was on strike and I was like, I I don't know what you're talking, what are you talking about? I'm not on strike. I'll tell you what, if I buy the tickets directly from the club, can I just go sell them? (laughs) 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 And uh, the owner was like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So I just did what I what I had what 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 I had experienced. I paid for some tickets. I hired some people, trained them in how to sell. And we're not talking about the most complicated sales methodology in the world. You know, you're selling tickets to a comedy show. Everybody loves to laugh. Most people love to drink, and it's you know a good night out. And I was the GM of the Laugh Factory in New York City six months later. Uh, and not without experience. I'd had experience in restaurants and managing restaurants and P&L work and Q&A work. But um, after that, my next business with it was a youth hostel. And uh, that was just a lot of fun. At one point, my business partner and I had three youth hostels open in New York City. And then uh, we experienced some regulation of the youth hostel industry, which caused us to have to start over. Yeah. And you're talking about a easily I think we called it a, a money a money printing operation because that's basically what a youth hostel is same thing with hotels if, if you have priced your real estate correctly yeah um but uh you're, you're we're talking about a half a half a million dollar loss inside of a year and oh. that like we're talking about my life savings to that point gone so I went back to ticket selling and then I found a door knocking company, founded a door knocking company. And then I founded a ticketing operation in Times Square that was a uh, one of the largest not-for-profit brokerages ever established in New York City. And now we're in a pandemic. And so it took me nine months to decide I didn't want to work for a delivery app. I'd rather have my own delivery company. And here I am again. And so when, you know, theaters open up, I'll... I'll go back to having tickets as well and I'll have an added local base of people for whom I've got delivery addresses and it's uh the the story of entrepreneurship in my world and in my life is one of necessity but it's also standing in the waves trying to make my way out past the break to sail yeah and I've done it a couple of times but I keep coming back to shore and (laughs) (laughs) but I don't know that I'd have it any other way. Working a job job is just not for me. On that note, can I just ask a really quick question? Yeah, go for it, man. Chef, do you do mail order empanadas? Because those look amazing on your Instagram. So that's the project that I'm working on now is just really establishing um, how my delivery service is going to work. So as soon as I can figure it out, I will make sure to contact you. I'm following you right now. (laughs) <laughs> nice, and and there and there and there we are. I mean, we've we've kind of we've kind of hit one of those moments that I really love from these discussions. It's like, all right, so now we have three of us around the table. Uh, 
you know, one one that's probably far more seasoned on on entrepreneurial experiences than any of us uh, combined. And, and I would probably say that be you, Daniel. And then, uh, you know, one that's a little bit more seasoned in and uh, trying to build something international and one that's in phase one, you know, of his own entrepreneurial journey with his, you know, idea, his passion for food and what he wants to do. Um, so, I mean, what would be your biggest questions, Jell, that you would have for someone that has lived the entrepreneurial journey thus far, for someone like Daniel or, or, or someone like me or anybody that may be listening to us right now? What are the biggest questions you have right now in your phase one as an entrepreneur that, that you could kind of take advantage of now and going around the table with us and figuring out, well, how do we work these ins and outs? Well, I think you touched on it earlier, Hector, and it's really just how do you just completely commit to your idea and just try and figure it out? Daniel, you want to take that one first? No, go ahead. Um, I, I actually would like to sit with my answer for a second before I, I respond. I mean, you know, one of these things is a, is kind of important. I don't, I don't know if you're coming from the position, gel of like you're, you're connecting with an idea because you're distracted by so many possibilities. That's certainly something that happened to me. <laughs> I was like, but but I can do this, but I can do that, but I can do this, but I can do this, but I can do... And, and, and the but I could do uh, was infinite. It was just infinite, man. It was like... And so my, dis my distraction level from 2006 to 2013 included uh, politics, working my way up the nonprofit executive ladder, uh, <laughs> just, just, you know, one day reaching the presidency of some nonprofit somewhere. That was kind of like, I, that was like on, on like a one of one level, but then on the other level, if, if I took a dive level, uh, I had like, well, my organization could do this, but I, I could also do this, but I, I could also do this. And it just became, became immense and so infinite that it was just too, too, too deep, uh, too deep. And so my, my biggest recommendation on connecting with your idea, you know, right now is, I mean, you, you have to pick your favorite one, uh, or maybe the one that you have the most faith in, because I know faith can also be like an issue. Uh, because you're you're wondering, well, I have more faith from, in this, and that that also becomes a, qu a question of you weighing risk. You're weighing like, you know, one thing versus another. But then once you've picked that one, that one, and I do want to say one because I'll tell you, I went down the road of trying to make an organization that applied to multiple avenues. I wanted to include this this. I had like seven different divisions for the organization when we first began. Not that we couldn't ever get there, but I quickly realized, yeah, that's not gonna, that's not gonna roll. The best way to yeah, connect with no, you, I was there at the beginning, remember? <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I mean, I, I told people before on a previous, on a previous uh, discussion that you and I had here on Clubhouse that, uh, you know, you, I, I think the world of you, man. I, I, I think you're one of the, one, you're one of the most creative minds I know, and, and I personally approached you back when I was founding Next. Because I, I already thought of you that way. And, uh, you know, I, I made the pitch to you. I told you everything we were going to do under the sun. And if I, if I would be honest with you, I would say we've begun to achieve maybe one fourth of the education agenda and the international community development agenda 
that that we wanted to initiate. And I say one fourth that being generous with myself, like I had to cut off all that fat. So it's like, pick one, pick one of those, pick one aspect of that idea that you had that you're really in love with, that you have a lot of faith with, and then just begin building there. And then just go. You have to just do it. Just like the Nike brand. Like just, you, you have to just do it. It, it. There's no hemming and hawing about it. There's no like, let me think about this. Well, I need one year to actually work on the plan. And, and I, I did all that. I have a detailed hundred page plan for my organization that's collecting dust somewhere in some box. And I have never looked at it ever since I've written it. Maybe I used it to get some initial bank backing uh, and to submit it to them. <laughs> but I, I, to be honest, it's it's about just going and then just learning from those experiences. But but building on that that one idea that 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 lives in you. And I don't I don't. Is that is that where you wanted to go with it, uh, Gel, or, or or did you have something else? No, I mean that that was that pretty much answers my question because you know I I talk about the nonprofit side to it, but you know that's something that I definitely see coming later on down the road. Yeah. So for me, you know, the empanadas are the starting point, and you know I want to be able to deliver, ship, and just you know supply them to whoever wants them. Right. And you know, like that's that's my staple, but. For the area around me, if you're in, you know, the, the Delaware, Maryland, Virginia area, you know, it's the, I'm able to do catering orders and I'm able to, you know, put together dinners for families of four or eight, you know, whatever that number might be. Um, and that's kind of just, you know, the, the, the area around me. And then, you know, but the empanadas are what you know we're focusing on yeah yeah no i mean look man and we're getting some some questions uh from twitch right now that i'm gonna get to so uh kiss chicken be right with you and i, I think this will be an interesting one for you to go around the table with and if you want to join us on clubhouse please come on over on clubhouse and we're having the discussion live we also have kim just joining us on the conversation i'd be glad to introduce her in a second you know Jell, all i gotta say to you bro is um I think that you have the beginnings of something big there. And I think that you may be overthinking it a bit in terms of looking at all these avenues, kind of like I was sharing, like you get all these distractions and the distractions get kind of heavy. And, and, and maybe Daniel can share with you at some point. And now he's actually working out delivery services for people and the like. But uh, bro, I mean, I, I think that just from an experience alone, think about this right now during times of COVID, um, people chefs are having to re-engineer who they are and bro i mean if you could just put yourself out there your story out there about the passion for your food and you could build an experience for people to to just experience your food at a safe distance with you cooking everything for them uh you know in a in a, in a safe covid safe way people would pay you just for that experience of eight it doesn't have to be that big. Now, you could also look for ways of ramping it up and scaling it up and doing the, the whole VC thing and what's your pitch deck and all this jazz. Um, but I think Daniel and I have been there, <laughs> done that. And I think Dan could probably give you a little bit more insight uh, on like the, the, the whole buildup to, to the logistics of it all in terms of deliveries and all this stuff that you're considering. Dan, your thoughts on it? Walt Disney, do one thing, do it well. 
find one thing, do it well before you add anything else. If empanadas are what you are able to do, then I would suggest that you have a vegetarian option, a chicken option or a fowl option and a beef option. And if those are the only three things that you have to prep that you can freeze or that you can prep and you know are going to be stable in, in your cooler situation for, you know, what is it, vegetarian seven days, chicken five days, beef five days, something like that, I don't know. Um, but if you already have a kitchen that you are able to work with, my suggestion, if it was me, I would just go ahead and ghost kitchen the fuck out of that. I'm sorry to what I'm trying to. Ah, it doesn't matter. Just go, man. You just be you. <laughs> um, I would ghost kitchen that almost immediately. If you and and if you don't or ghost restaurant that, and and if you're not familiar with the ghost restaurant concept, look it up. It's amazing. Uh, basically, you're using that commercial kitchen to deliver out of, uh, and you've got a restaurant, full restaurant going, but you don't have sit down space. Um, and if you can't find a decent commercial kitchen to work out of, then my suggestion is, is that you find some little mom and pop operation, some little Chinese food place and say, hey, listen, I would like to rent two shelves in your fridge and your deep fryer or two shelves in your fridge and your oven. Yeah. And I'll do my prep work at night in the off hours or I'll do my prep work first thing in the morning in your off hours. I'd like to run a second restaurant out of here. This is how much I can give you now. And this is a percentage of sales I'll give you until I grow to the point where I can get my own space. If it was me and that was my passion and that's what I was going to do, there's nothing that would stop me from doing it. But I'm also a risk taker. I'm not someone I, 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 I don't have a fear of crashing and burning because I've already done it once. And I know that the key to survival is just getting up, brushing it off, figuring out the again. mental headspace yeah. and then figuring out how to start again. You have, you're, if you're not there yet, that's okay too. Yeah. And if you're not prepared to do those things, that's an okay place to be also. Yeah. My suggestion would be find family, find friends and say, hey, listen, can I come over and cook you dinner? All I'm asking for is uh, uh, that you pay for the groceries. I'll teach you how to make empanadas. Or can I come over and cook yeah. you dinner? In exchange, I need a couple of reviews. That's all I'm asking for. Yeah. And start that way. If that's your level of comfort, that's your level of comfort. That's okay. Don't let me kick you off the ledge. It's not my job. Your job is is to kick yourself off the ledge when you're ready. ¿Me entiendes? I dig it. I dig it. Entiendo. Entiendo. I mean, we're getting a bunch of, uh, of participation for people online on the different platforms that we're on. Uh, Kiss Chicken on Twitch asks the question, well, guys, how do you get into being an entrepreneur without a safety net? And... Uh, I'll give that one to Dan first. I mean, Dan, I mean, how do you get into being an entrepreneur without a safety net? I mean, I never had one. Did you? I've never had a, I've never had the luxury of a safety net. I don't come from money. I grew up in a children's home. So, I mean, it, it's how do you get into it? You do it. How this do you get into it. yoga? You do the yoga. How do you get into selling? You sell something. And that's actually my biggest piece of advice for any person who is interested in the word entrepreneurship. Don't go get a degree in entrepreneurship. Do it. <laughs> Just do it. Yeah. Make I, I, a gallon of lemonade and sell it. Yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And and I don't I don't want to sound, uh, you know, kiss chicken on Twitch. I, I don't I don't want you to think, oh, man, these guys are like just uh, 
you know, just being simplistic about things, but it, it's re it really is that simple. You can overthink things. I think, you know, to be honest, the only ones that truly have a safety net are people that have tons of money or, or that are inheriting their parents' money, uh, you know, or that, that had some sort of, these are the only people that get, uh, you know, the safety net. Now, it also depends on what you want to do. You know, if you're if you're looking at a business and I don't know what kind of business that you're looking to build, Kiss Chicken, but based off of your name alone, I would think maybe it's food. I'm not sure. But uh, like it just depends on the business that you want to build, the organization that you want to build, the kind of mission that you want to achieve. Um, you know, in my particular case, uh, I knew that what what I was trying to build was an, an organization of a, of, of a number of members, a, a community like kind of like the community we're having here in terms of being able to support one another and build projects off of that. Now, for that community, I needed to put added value in that I, I needed to develop, you know, certain experiences for us to coalesce for uh, amongst, you know, in, amongst our projects or our ideas and, and start building off of there. And so I knew that the thing I needed to do was budget for travel, uh, budget for the, the sources of where these different members were going to come from to build an international organization. And so I thought, all right, we're going to build it through the avenue of, of getting colleges and universities involved so they can nominate some of the best and brightest minds. We're going to do the same thing with high schools, uh, only at the senior levels, like senior, junior that are about to graduate. And then we're going to get involved with corporations and try to get them to also nominate some people. And then we're going to try to recruit creatives and entrepreneurs. And I knew that all we really needed to to, to, to do at that point was to gain the, the revenue necessary for the travel. And that needed to come from some sort of product. And so I, uh, it, it was bootstrapped, just like Daniel said. Um, I did. I did manage to secure um, some credit uh, for the business. Uh, it was really difficult, but I built like a little, you know, th that 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 uh, business plan that I was just telling Jell about. We built that, and then uh, we used that to get the line of credit at the bank. Although I will say, the bank. It's a double-edged sword, you know, particularly credit cards, double-edged sword. And I've been down that road already. Um, no one knows when a pandemic's gonna hit. <laughs> and so, um, you know, th there's also the avenue of going through VCs, right? And then people are like, oh yeah, I got, I, I got funded by so-and-so and funded by so-and-so. There is, there are projects that are worth going down those avenues. I've been involved in one of those projects um, that I actually was thrilled, you know, to be a part of that actually went and did the whole thing in San Francisco, Silicon Valley and the pitches and all that stuff. Was it my project? I was on the board of this project and uh, it was cool. The, the only thing you need to see there is that that safety net comes with a lot of caveats, man. It's, it comes like with caveats like 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 ownership. Who's going to own you? You know, that, that kind of stuff. And it begins to be like a little bit of a of a snowball effect. So. I think if you have some ideas, just like dance it, just do it. You know, start piloting out those ideas. It, and Kiss Chicken, I don't know how old you are, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out something as well for you that you may not realize. Um, if you are, I'm gonna assume that you are college aged or older. If you're in high school, this is a different thing. But college aged or older, look around you at the groups that you're already involved in, your social circles currently, your church, if you're a church person, um, if you have local organizations that you can do service with, like the Boys and Girls Club, yeah. 
or uh, Knights of Columbus, if you're Catholic, or The Optimists, or the Kiwanis Club, find a social organization and organize something. Or make it as simple as organizing your next family get-together post-pandemic when everyone's got a vaccine. Um, Or organize something online, you know, a Zoom. Organizers at the club level and at the social level tend to be better entrepreneurs because you're okay with, that's that's getting into that entrepreneurial mindset. Finding and taking responsibility for a thing that maybe necessarily isn't a business risk, um, but that initial finding and taking responsibility for a thing or as part of a group puts you into that entrepreneurial mindset. And that's how you're gonna discover whether or not entrepreneurship is for you in kind of a safer way than just setting out to sell lemonade or oh i mean wise words man wise wise words we're getting some more comments from people i'm loving it we're building this community that uh we said we wanted to do guys and so i I, i'm enjoying the fact that we can do it and that we can have kind of these honest discussions so i got a pretty long post here uh and i'm going to encourage uh antonio garcia to join us on clubhouse if you don't have the invite yet buddy just uh shoot any one of us a text and we can send you the invite so you can just come and talk with us but i'm, I'm going to take a dive with antonio's comments because i also missed his comments earlier today in cafecito he threw down some comments on entrepreneurship in espanol and, and i missed them completely so here's his comments right now as of our discussions he says what inspires me goes back to the end of my high school years volunteering in the community along with the during my college years volunteering was what inspired me and inspired me to network with new people also reading through grade school inspires me Uh, seeing the world in a different perspective reading english poetry social studies history inspires me to see uh, to see what it takes to be and to determine myself as an individual The concept of uh, social entrepreneurship um, I learned that I learned inspired me to develop my character within myself. It has helped me teach Latino families in the community about un, about and to understand the concept of social entrepreneurship. I see this most importantly through my writing uh, and setting example for and setting the example for young younger ones. And you know what? That's That's awesome. I mean, I, I don't. I think we've we, we're all kind of networked into this experiences that we've had earlier. Antonio, you're certainly one of those that had uh, collaborated with us on certain levels. Uh, you know, to to be to to kind of get to this place. And I, I all I got to say is kudos to your thoughts. I checked out your live a little earlier where you were talking about entrepreneurship yourself. Come and talk about entrepreneurship here with us and tell us about your journey. Uh, speaking about journeys, I'd like to. Learn a little bit more about the journey of our uh, new newest clubhouse uh, uh, member here. That's that's been uh, that's just joined our conversation, Kim. Uh, Kim, I mean, you were with us a couple a couple of uh, days ago, just for nightcap conversation, uh, and uh, just kind of curious as to your thoughts on our conversation thus far. Where are you in your experience in terms of your career? You shared a little bit with us last time. Maybe we could go more in depth this time. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I'm Kim. I think everyone in the room is an NHIR, so that's yeah. nice to be with some family. Hi, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Kim. Miss you. <laughs> Hi. Um, yeah, so I think I'm just honestly just in awe of you guys. I'm very much, I appreciate people who 
create things and bring things into the world. And um, I'm definitely more on the traditional side and have like a nine to five. Um, and that's where I'm at right now. And it's been good to me. But I, I just wanted to jump in and listen to the stories and, and just hang out. How, what is what has the journey been like for you? Has it been everything you ever wished for? Like, I, I still remember the Kim uh, we would have <laughs> conversations with when when you were on staff, and we would we would always like have these deep discussions about where we wanted to be in life when we got to there, wherever there would be. Uh, where are you now in terms of that dialogue with yourself? Is it is it where you wanted to be? Do you still have like these like very deep like burning desire of where you want to go and what you want to do and how you want to get there is or is it died out has have you been punched through your professional experiences <laughs> thus far what has it been like it has been i think a little bit of all of it and a roller coaster to be fair yeah. <laughs> um but i think what i've learned is so i started i went to school in san antonio because that was close enough to laredo right and i was comfortable and kind of wanted to be close to home. I worked there for a little bit and then moved out to the Bay Area because I it was just I was 23 and I was just like this is what you do, right? You you move somewhere and then you'll figure it out whatever you're chasing. It, it'll it'll be there when you move. And then you move and you're still like okay, why well, I, I still don't feel it. Like I don't know what it is, right? Um and I think for me, I've always had this pull of I want to be super close to my family and I'm family oriented, but I also, I'm of the opinion that I want to do something in this world, what it is, I don't know, but for whatever reason, I felt like I had to leave to do it. And I felt like we talked so much, especially when we were younger, right, about just finding that in your community and just doing it at home. There's nothing wrong, if anything, it's even better to just find that in your backyard. And then I finally just came to terms with the thing that makes me happy is being close to the people that I love. And there's nothing wrong with that. And then no, not at all. I, yeah. And I just got a really good opportunity to come back home and being back in Texas has been great, especially with the pandemic, just appreciating all the small moments with your family that before I was so caught up with work and traveling and I wanted to do all these things that now when you take that away, it's like, what was the point, right? Like what yeah. matters is making tamales with my grandma before Christmas, right? Like you can't get that when you're jet setting, right? So little yeah. things like that, that I've learned to appreciate. Oh, that's, and, that, and that's, that's great that you share that. You know, I, I, I will share with you that, that I could certainly empathize with that experience of wanting to be closer to home, of, 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 of needing time to be closer to family. I definitely went through a uh, significant phase like that in my life uh, as well. And and then also the, the, with, with your professional experience in particular, I don't think very, very many people know this, but, but prior to uh, me working with, you know, nonprofit organizations or anything of that, of that nature, um, I was actually working at City Hall and uh, I, I worked at City Hall because I thought that that was my end to politics. And, uh, it was it was rewarding, but it was also deceiving, and I, I felt ambivalent about it. Sometimes very frustrated about it, um, and to the point where you know I, I just I always felt like it was not enough, and and that not enough turns into all right. Well, I'm going to do something for purpose, and that turns into what made all of us friends, and then from that point forward. 
um, you know, it, 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 it kind of begins to snowball because then I go through that entire experience and, and I learn also that, that that was not enough somehow. And, and, and so there was always kind of this inner voice. And I think that there comes moments in life where that voice either gets beaten up and beaten out of you. Um, and you just become kind of like someone that's like really upset nearing their 40s or in their 40s or and then now 50s and stuff like that going like, uh, have I actually gotten to where I wanted to be? And that's where frustration creeps in. And so, you know, I can definitely emphasize with with those experiences. And I think that I, I think that most of us have to have this kind of really strong uh, mind to just listen to that inner voice because sometimes we like to choke it and and to to beat it up and, and keep it quiet and and in my case that inner voice led to the entrepreneurial journey uh that's now you know uh pretty old now <laughs> in terms of, of where i'm at with that journey and sometimes i look back to be honest and go like man did, did i do this right i guess i didn't do this right like maybe i should redo this whole thing do i get a redo and no there's no redos but back to the whole point where uh you know uh, our our listener on our listeners on twitch were asking can can you build a safety net can you develop a the only safety net i know is hanging out with us here tonight and it's just friends family uh, people that actually care. That's the only safety net I really know. Maybe social capital, uh, maybe some intellectual capital. But but beyond that, I mean, I've, ne- I've never been one. I don't I don't think any of us have been one of those with deep financial financial capital pockets. And, and, and I think that that's what also uh, brings pretty much everybody together in this conversation. Um, there, go there's ahead, a, uh, I, I guess how much of that voice and how much of that frustration comes from are, and I really don't know how to put it any better than this, but we have this, uh, I guess, mythos that were, that we, ethos that we pass and have been, had passed to us by our parents and grandparents. It's this myth that in order for us to be successful, we have to thread this needle of perfection. I also think it's a cultural thing in the United States for anyone that isn't born into the mainstream that that there is a mythical eye of the needle of perfection and and you have to be able to pass through that to be considered successful and consider yourself successful yeah and I, I i question how much of the frustration of both starting and how do i define my own success comes from that idea does that i don't know that i'm wording that properly but i think you get the gist of what i'm am I, i'm asking yeah you know i i think that i think that we're all i think at the end of the day it all boils down to there, there's there's a very deep social conditioning that i think we all at some point in our lives end up uh realizing that it has existed and we either we have to uneducate ourselves uh to guide ourselves in the direction that we want to go in and part of that social conditioning has a lot to do with like um what others may think of you uh what what you know maybe your family wanted you to do um you know and 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 then there's also uh questions of of faith on on one's own on one uh, on your own capabilities and I don't know if that's where you where you were going with it, Dan, but I mean, that's certainly what what it made me think about. I mean, it's it's 
there's 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 these models that we're all you know given when we're young and and you choose one or another and you choose to idolize them or make them the kind of the guiding star and then you realize oh, I like I, I don't I don't really know if I ended up if I'm really doing what I was supposed to be doing or my calling in life and it, there's this whole internal discussion about about your your own identity I mean that's that's what your comment made me think about is that where you were going with it yes and no I but but you know what sometimes the when you ask a question the way that it lands is as important as maybe the question that you're you you yourself are asking so I think that's perfectly acceptable <laughs> Nice. The social conditioning is 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 a it's a major reality for all of us. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it really it really really is. And uh, well, I mean, I I, I think that I, I don't know, Jell. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts on the evening thus far? Questions, thoughts, ideas, Dan. Same thing. I mean, I, I have personally really enjoyed the conversation thus far. We've been at it about an hour 15 minutes but uh i mean who's counting when you're having a great conversation as 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 like someone who's in the first phase of development on your entrepreneurial journey is this like like is this right on the money in terms of where you need to go and like are there other questions that that really come to mind as 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 you've been sitting pondering our discussion here i mean no other questions but it's definitely along the lines of what i needed to hear um i'm actually on the internet right now requesting sample shipping packs uh be sent so that i can try out different shipping methods nice so. nice that's it see that's cool just just do it man just do it and, and hey when you get the sample shipping packs why don't we have a conversation about what your whole experience has been with that and why you like them and why you didn't like them. And we should follow your journey from phase one all the way throughout. And maybe we can make it like one of these features where we can have a conversation about some of the obstacles you're facing and how to get across them. And, and we can all powwow and maybe bring some other friends. I mean, I know Dan has a ton of friends in, in the industries you're looking to to work in um, or to, to kind of pattern yourself around. And uh, we can just kind of powwow around that. So that would be that would be dope. I will sell I will sell you thirty dollars today if you will figure out how to ship good beef empanadas to me by Friday of next week. Bro, that's a bet. I got you. <laughs> All right. So there you go. So so see, like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to I think this is a good moment to to call it an evening for for Friday. It's Friday night. People people have things to do or, or maybe shows to binge watch. Binge watch. Let's be honest, we're all in captivity. Uh, but but you see, it is possible, and, and my hope is that with this experiment, we can figure out experiences that we can build amongst our friends uh, that can really help us get to the next level of wherever any one of us is trying to get, and um, that we can build projects that are actually worthwhile so now we have now we have the the chef deal project right uh we're going to be working with gel on uh his chef dog project and uh kind of be following him throughout and i know gel you you just jump on our conversations uh on and off pretty much uh on a regular so we can check in with you on your project and you can give people pointers as to uh them doing their own things in the future and I mean, Dan, I loved it, man. Now, now we need to like, now we need to, now we need to develop something like along the lines of bootstrapping and 
what the bootstrapping journey has been for you and I, because it seems like this was worthwhile, man. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've loved it. I loved it. I can't, I can't thank you guys enough. Uh, Kim, any, any, any big points uh, that you'd like to wrap up for the evening? Kind of like the big points for you from this discussion. What, what, what are your thoughts, your, your final thoughts of the evening? I just want to say thank you because like you said, it's good to always just check in and especially with old friends and say, hey, remember, this is what you were thinking. How is that going? Right. And sometimes you just need to remind yourself, you know what? Yeah, like I might need to think about that again and, and <laughs> see where that is. Right. So thank you for the reminders. Thank you all for the conversation. And I look forward to it again. I, I love I love having you, uh, Kim. I want you to be a regular and, and just to, and for us to have these deep dives in the evenings is fun, particularly in pandemic times when we're like all like, oh, what are we going to do and, and how are we going to do it? And I think I think this provides an avenue. I think this provides an avenue. I want to thank everybody who has joined us on our live platforms. Uh, Twitch, you know, we've been trying to develop our Twitch presence for a while. I know it's kind of more of a gaming platform, but for us, it's more like just chatting. Uh, we do some gaming sometimes and we'll, we'll be on there to do some gaming soon. But uh, for us, it's more like just chatting. And so if you if you could hit that follow, if you can hit the subscribe, we would really appreciate it. We're, we're, grow, we're trying to grow the community. Thanks for being uh, a part of it. And we'll have more of these uh, amazing discussions. And we, we hope that you'll just uh, keep following and keep spreading the word. So we'll see you next time. Peace. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Hasta la próxima.